everyone you are listening to the podcast in conversation with IPR and competition law i am aditya trivedi founder and head of the competition law team of the podcast and your host hi everyone i am rigan patel the co-head for the competition team and the co-host for this episode of the podcast in this podcast we usually discuss competition law updates and invite competition lawyers and academicians all across the world as our guests Let's welcome our esteemed guest for today's episode, Mr. Manuel Martinho. He is a EU and competition lawyer at SRS Advogados, a Portugal law firm based in Europe. Thank you, sir, for accepting our invite, and most welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. So today's topic of discussion is hub and spoke cartels, EU law, and Portuguese perspective. Sure. So, introducing Mr. Manuel to you all. He is a European Union. Uh, he is based on European Union and is a competition lawyer at SRS Advogados, a law firm based in Port, uh, Portugal, since 2017. He did his LLM in the European Union law from college in the Europe, uh, college in the Europe, and also did multiple specialization courses in competition law from numerous other institutions. Uh, uh, to be particular, the specialization course in European Union competition law at the Faculty of Law of the University of Coimbra, and the post graduation in competition law regulation by the Institute of Economic and Financial Law, that is IDEFF, of the Faculty of Law of Lisbon. Right, Mrigan. Thank you for introduction. So let us start the conversation, asking to you, how does hub and cartel arrangement essentially look like, and what are the incentives for both the parties, the retailer and the supplier, to participate in such kind of collusive agreements? Uh, well, uh, thank you very much, Aditya, and greeting to to have me here with you. Uh, it's a great pleasure to be here. Uh, well. Well, firstly, uh, Evan spoke uh, arrangements are somehow between uh, an archaeological uh, legal figure uh, because they they started uh, uh, to be uh, so. The first cases on on, on Evan spoke arrangements started in in the late 30s in the U.S. Uh, and now, after uh, a considerable gap of, of, of years, they <laughs> started to be famous again. Uh, in the begin, beginning of the 21st uh, century, uh, well, with uh, there have been some cases in, in, in Britain, uh, and uh, suddenly the curiosity and the, the interest about this, uh, these urban spoke arrangements uh, returned, and uh, you can find a lot of uh, recent papers and uh, memorandums and uh, um, studies of uh, multiple uh, international institutions and, and competition law authorities. But so uh, having said this, that uh, Evan spoke arrangements, uh, uh, well, an Evan spoke arrangement uh, is exists when two competitors, the spokes, operating in the same level of the supply chain, uh, use a common supplier or distributor, usually called a hub, uh, who is active in another market, uh, either upstream or downstream, and to exchange between themselves in an indirect in, in way uh, strategic commercial information uh, that, uh, of course, would allow them to, to act in, in the market in a concerted way. So, in a traditional, typical, uh, horizontal cartel situation, uh, independent companies, which are competitors, directly exchange sensitive strategic information, for example, 
uh, in order to fix prices, reduce supply, etc. Uh, but in an evidence-spoke arrangement, this uh, objective of collusion uh, is achieved through through indirect means. So the information uh, does not flow directly between competitors, but through a third party, which is called the, the, the hub. Uh, so it takes place. Uh, so the, the, the information uh, goes uh, via bilateral exchanges between the spokes and the common hub. Uh, so we, we can see Evans spoke as an hybrid agreement. So we have both horizontal uh, and vertical elements. Horizontal because there is the collusion between competitors operating at the same level, but vertical, uh, vertical elements as well because the, informa the information, as, as, I, as I mentioned, uh, flows through, through a third party situated in a different level of the of the supply chain but i, I can give you an an example uh so um, for example uh, a typical oven spoke arrangement situation would be uh retailers uh, the, several retailers the spokes uh who they change information through a common supplier the hub um, whose products are are are, are sold in, in in their stores um, so let's take the example of a cheese product producer uh, as a hub, uh, and the spokes um, collude uh, uh, with the intention of agreeing on the prices at which the products of the of the supplier will be sold in, in the retail market. So uh, I'm going to try to explain. Uh, so let's say the retailer Hay. Uh, provides information to the common supplier B about the future uh, price intention concerning, for example, the, the price of Gouda cheese uh, and stating that he wants to raise uh, the price is 10% in its stores. Then the supplier B uh, provides the retailer C, so a competitor of the retailer A, uh, with the information communicated by, by retailer A and retailer C lose the information uh, received to, to, to decide on its own market behavior, meaning that uh, we'll probably act accordingly to the retailer's uh, intentions and uh, we'll also raise the prices of the good cheese on 10% as well. So, uh, of course, uh, in order to succeed, these, these arrangements <laughs> need some sort of control and monitoring system. Uh, which will ensure that any deviations to the cartel are, are promptly identified and corrected. Um, it might also include some sort of uh, coercion and retaliation mechanism, usually um, from the retailer to the supplier, uh, for example, threatening to uh, suspend purchases or purchase of smaller uh, quantities. Um, and usually the hub has a very important role here because uh, as retailers, since they do not contact directly between themselves, they usually approach the, the hub complaining about any, for example, any deviating prices from other retailers and in those cases pressuring him to, to do something, uh, to um, alert uh, other retailers that they are not following the, the agreed price. So, um, so basically, this is uh, what uh, Evans spoke uh, cartel uh, 
for that means. Uh, you also asked me about the, the incentives for retailers and suppliers to participate in the in the cohesive agreement. Well, um, it, it might seem counterintuitive, the idea that both suppliers and retailers have, have incentives to enter in an urban spoke cohesive agreement, especially for the supplier, because I mean, uh, I mean the hub, because uh, reduction of competition on the retail level will, will most likely lead to a reduction on, 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 on his sales, on, on, on supplier's sales uh, uh, volumes. And so, but, um, but well, that there are some, some incentives that have been identified in, in, in uh, some, some decisions and, and some studies. So, for example, uh, one incentive is uh, the supplier to um, uh, answer a request from a retailer. So, sometimes retailers uh, want to, to stabilize or, or increase retail margins retail prices for, for certain products and uh, then approach uh, the common the common supplier to um, to ensure that st that stabilization or that price increase and uh, so for the supplier this is a, a, a the supplier is put in a complicated situation because um, if uh, retailers complain about uh, the prices that are um, or the prices of other retailers, the, the supplier uh, has two options. Either, for example, reduce the, the wholesale price at the cost of its own margin, um, and then, uh, of course, that would have the, 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 the consequence of uh, all other retailers will um, will uh, ask for, for better price conditions, better wholesale price conditions, and for the supplier that would be very, uh, you know, will put the supplier in a in a very bad financial position. It could undermine its economic uh, situation. So the, uh, the only solution would be to promote and facilitate that increase in stabilization of cargo prices. But other incentive could be for the supplier could be, for example, the intention to pass on some costs. Uh, let's imagine uh, the situation. Let's 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 uh, go back again to the example of the um, of the um, producer. Uh, so, if there is an increase in, in the raw material uh, which is used to produce uh, uh, cheese, I'm not an expert in agriculture, but um, for example, if the, the, there is an increase in the price of uh, fresh milk, which is necessary to produce the cheese. Um, and uh, the supplier uh, wants to, um, the supplier will need, because of the increase in the costs, will need to increase wholesale prices. It might, for example, uh, agree on, a, on, on, a, on a, an, an even spoke arrangement with retailers in order to guarantee that not only the wholesale prices increases, but also the retail prices. Uh, increase so the the, the, the cost increases uh, the supplier faced uh, because of the raw the raw materials because of the fresh milk is passed on not only to retailers but to the to the consumers as well so um, I would say these are two uh, very strong incentives to 
to engage in uh, urban scope arrangement. Okay, thank you so much for such an elaborative answer and especially with in-depth clarity on what actually hub and spoke cartel arrangement is. So, sir, uh, with respect to India, in, under Indian laws, under the Competition Act, the Section 3 talks about anti-competitive agreements in which particularly Section 3 and the sub-clause 3 talks about cartels, which are horizontal, horizontal anti-competitive agreements and Section 34 talks about the vertical ones. So, mm-hmm. the resale price maintenance is a part of Section 3-4, which is a vertical anti-competitive agreement. So, how do you think is the relationship between a resale price uh, maintenance restrictions in a hub and spoke cartel arrangement? Mm-hmm. Uh, w- well, that's that's a, a very interesting question because um, you know resale price maintenance is also uh, it can be uh, a, a part of uh, uh, urban spoke cartel, uh, but it can also be uh, um, an individual practice. So, a resale price price madness is a, I would say is a, a purely vertical uh, anti-competitive uh, behavior so for example supplier imposing a given retail price uh, at which a retail, uh, retailer will sell uh, the, the products of the supplier uh, and can be achieved by direct or indirect means for example fixing the distribution margin or, or making the grant of rebate by the supplier subject to the observance of a given price. Uh, so, but what is interesting in this relation between uh, RPM and, and Evan Spoke is that sometimes when I would say a competition authority is investigating uh, or is collecting evidence on a potential RPM restraint, uh, maybe you, you might be actually unveiling a, a, a Evan Spoke arrangement. Because, as you mentioned very well, RPM sometimes it's a, it's a way of making the Evans spoke cartel work. So, um, so um, if uh, if the, the spokes, the, the, the competitors, um, want to raise prices, and if they don't uh, speak between themselves, because that's the, the that's the characteristic of the event spoke. Spokes do not speak between themselves. Competitors do not sit at the same table and speak um, directly. So the um, so the RPM here is used because the the since the information flows in a vertical way, it is for the for the in this, for the hub in this case the supplier to uh, convince other retailers to raise prices. So. RPM is indeed instrumental to the urban spoke arrangement. It, it's it's the uh, it's uh, a way of ensuring the functioning of the of the urban spoke cartel. So, for example, um, if uh, the app is approached by uh, a retailer, for example, um, one re- the retailer A wants. Um, so once the the good cheese price uh, to be to be increased by other retailers and approaches the hub, uh, the hub will collect that information and then say to the retailer C, the competitor of retailer A, that um, you should raise again, you should also raise the prices for good cheese um, and. Uh, or do not decrease your prices below a certain level. 
So uh, that's is put it simply. That's the way RPM and, and events RPM uh, intersects uh, intersects uh, events for cartels. But this also, uh, if I may, uh, uh, this also places a very, um, I'd say, challenging uh, question to competition authority, authorities because um, proving uh, events for cartel is quite difficult. It requires a lot of proof. Uh, um, maybe we'll talk about it later, but. Uh, the standard of, of proof and the, uh, and the, um, the criteria needed to prove an event cartel is, is, is quite difficult, it's quite hard. So sometimes competition authorities, if they have evidence that might indicate uh, the existence of an event cartel, but might not be sufficient to, um, I mean, to, to actually prove it in court, um, it would be easier for the competition authority to uh, pursue an RP, a purely RPM case um, because the legal requirements for demonstrating RPM are certainly lower than for a bespoke. Um, so it's it's uh, uh, it's what's interesting is that it's um, a, a substantial issue. How do you differentiate R, a pure a pure RPM? From a bespoke cartel because they can be um, there can be an RPM within a bespoke cartel, but it's also a very uh, practical challenge for for uh, competition authorities that uh, require a, a, a strategic approach as well from, from the competition authorities. Right, sir. Thank you so much for elaborating on the relationship between RT, RPM and hub and spoke. In India, too, what we face is that in India, Section 3, sub clause 4 includes resale price, maintenance, and related offenses. So, in mm -hmm. India, that particular thing can be proved by the rule of reason test. And oh, okay. hub and spoke is included in uh, the amended bill and will be included in Section 3, 3, which is which is run by the law of presumption. It is presumed that this is anti-competitive. So these both yeah. have different standard of proof in India. Speaking okay. of standard of proof, uh, sir, I want to ask you, what is the standard of proof and how is the burden discharged with respect to intent and awareness of involved players in the hub and spoke arrangement, hub and cartel arrangement? Yeah, well, um, I will, uh, so I've, I, I mean, European law background and, and maybe it might be a little, dif little, bit, little bit different from the, the Indian situation, but the, usually, and I mean, based on the, on the British cases, jurisprudence, so uh, in the, as, as I mentioned in the beginning of our conversation, uh, the UK had uh, a few cases and even spoke uh, quite recently, and, and I will stick to the to the approach uh, on on standard of proof and uh, and the intent and awareness that the, the British jurisprudence followed. So um, so to a certain, the, but but that might change actually from jurisdiction to uh, jurisdiction. From for example, from the the European jurisdiction to the Indian jurisdiction. So, but basically, uh, to a certain existence of an event spoke cartel, um, you need to follow 
so-called ABC test. And it's, it's, a, it's a test that is divided into two different steps. So you can see from this introduction that it's, it's sometimes it's not easy to, um, to uh, you know, to prove the existence of, the, of this cartel. So first step, you have three objectives, I would call conduct related uh, that need to be uh, that need to be established. So, first of all, the first criterion is that um, you need to prove that uh, spoke A discloses, for example, future pricing intentions to the hub B, and then that A hub B passes the information on the spoke C, and then that the spoke C uses the information in determining uh, its own its own behavior on the market. So. You have to actually prove the existence of uh, this triangular uh, relationship, uh, and that the, con the consultation between A and C is indirectly achieved through through the B. Um, but then, and uh, your question mentions very well the, the the intent and the awareness, because it's not um, it's not enough to um, to. You know, to find evidence to prove these conduct-related criteria, this triangle relationship, because uh, you actually need to ensure that uh, uh, spoke A uh, and, and spoke B actually uh, communicated um, these uh, information. I mean, you need to to ensure that neither spoke A nor spoke C would be held liable for behavior that is beyond their control uh, and that um, so you have to prove uh, that um, this, this what what jurisprudence called the state of mind uh, so you have two other subjective elements as well so what does this state of mind uh, criterion means it means that the spoke a must communicate you or you need to prove that the spoke a communicates the relevant information to a B uh, specific, specifically with the intention that uh, that information will be passed on to a horizontal competitor for instance spoke C and uh, then you can uh, wonder what uh, intention means it's actual foresight it's reasonably foreseeable that's still uh, a gray area um, of, uh, regarding uh, this uh, the analysis of, uh, of this criteria. But, and then you have to prove a second uh, element regarding the state of mind. You have to prove that spoke C, the horizontal competitor uh, at the receiving end, must know exactly why and under which circumstances the, the B obtained the information by uh, spoke A. So uh, how, do, how does this uh, state of mind uh, um, criteria uh, works in, in practice. I mean, of course, it's not about reading people's minds. Uh, of course, uh, competition authorities have nowadays a variety of different resources and tools, uh, but they still don't have a crystal ball. So it's not it's not about reading uh, spoke A and spoke C's mind. Uh, and you can just be you can just presume that uh, because there was a flow of information, it's necessarily anti-competitive. So the assessment of the statement of state of mind criteria must actually rely on, on much more on, on, on 
uh, and direct and, and circumstantial evidence, uh, such as the market context, such as um, the, the information provided by witnesses. So, um, for example, one might ask, uh, is there any legitimate reason, uh, legitimate business reason for the transmission of pricing information for A, A to B or had uh, A previously received from that information uh, through C uh, or, uh, or for example, who has received the information from the B on behalf of the, of the spoke C? It, was it a director uh, or other staff member which uh, must certainly be aware of the sensitive nature of the information shared by B? Uh, or were there internal pressures to raise prices? Um, was the information uh, shared in this triangular relation already on the public domain? Or so it's it's not easy. I mean, you need to 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 do a case by case assessment, and 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 you cannot just rely on on documentary evidence. Um, you definitely, in order to prove the intent or the awareness, you definitely need to aggregate. Um, um, information about the context about about the, the context of the market the context of the sector and the, the, the context of the people involved in this in this um, uh, in these um, exchanges of information um, so it's and it's also uh, as well a, a huge challenge for for competition authorities because they also have to have the means and uh, like IT tools, the staff, the time to, to investigate this complex practice. So it's not um, you can ju- you cannot um, just uh, uh, infer from uh, the existence of uh, uh, exchanges of information that you have clearly an event spoke cartel. No, you need to prove uh, you need to also uh, prove the the state of mind uh, criteria. Okay, thank you so much for such an elaborative answer on the burden of proof and the essential requisites of the standard of proof. Uh, quite a lot of time, competition authorities struggle to determine what could be the actual burden because all the information is actually discrete in cartelization. So, advancing further, uh, sir, could you please elaborate on the Portuguese legal framework regarding the hub and spoke cartel arrangement? As far as what we have read, Article 19 of the Portuguese Competition Act, which is also synchronous to Article 101 of TFEU, emphasizes on the same. So we'd be glad to hear. From you. Yes, exactly. Uh, much different from the from the India uh, legal framework, I guess. Uh, so, as you mentioned, Article 9 of Portuguese Competition Act replicates Article 101 of the Treaty of the, on the Functioning of the European Union. So, uh, and there is no specific provision referring to the prohibition of unspoke uh, arrangements in, in Portugal. So, in order to ascertain whether unspoke uh, arrangements uh, infringe uh, Portuguese law, I mean, you must fulfill the general requirements of Portuguese law uh, like any other more traditional type of coercive behavior. So, you must uh, prove that there is an agreement between undertakings or concerted practice uh, that has its object or effect uh, prevention, distortion or restriction of, comp- of competition um, and or uh, that has an appreciable uh, effect on the Portuguese market. Uh, 
it's curious that you you ask about the the, the, port, the Portuguese competition law because in fact nowadays uh, or a few years ago uh, in 2007 and, 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 and uh, the Portuguese competition authority has actually initiated uh, several cases even several cases um, in the in the retail sector concerning fast moving consumer goods uh, so Despite the fact that um, that the Portuguese uh, legal framework is, uh, you know, does not have any specific provision on urban spoke, does not explicitly, um, you know, um, um, establishes uh, or or, or uh, establishes criteria for the existence of urban spoke. Still, uh, the Portuguese competition authority, based on the on the you know the general article you know uh, the, of art of article nine replicates article 101 so still the competition authority has um, investigated and, and actually um, uh, uh, you know imposed fines because uh, because uh, for them there was actually a, a bespoke cartel so uh, as you can see uh, you might not need a specific reference explicit reference to even spoke in, in, in the law to uh, to see uh, investigated investigations and, and actually have fines um, imposed on 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 operators uh, for uh, even spoke arrangements right thank you